Stag. Man and his amazing friend. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Stegman and his amazing friends. Guys, the absolute carnage hype train. We got to put the brakes on the hype train for just a minute. Just just an episode here because we got a very special guest with us today. Of course, uh, the Venom boys are here. What's up, Ryan? What's up, Donnie? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Griffin. Uh, but who else is also here? It's Mr. Joe Casada, sir. Welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? How you doing? Hey, I mean, I think we could do better than that, J- ladies and gentlemen. Joe Casada. Oh my goodness! Uh, where's the uh, the legend the, uh, himself? Clap track or the? There it is, right here. Yeah, yeah. Laugh track. Yeah. Here Why he is, is Stegman here? I, I I implicitly said finger sandwiches and no Stegman, and here we are. <laughs> well, because you're one of his amazing friends. Yeah, we're, we're friends you know, now. Joe. You got to change the name of the show since it's me. It's got to be like astonishing, outstanding. <laughs> You know, okay. Genius, Ryan Stegman, gen- and, his Stegman genius, and his amazing bosses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his contractually whatever, obligated. Whatever his boss wants to call it, friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks um, for having me, I know that it uh, took months and months of negotiating mm-hmm. to get you on here. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we finally came to a monetary settlement. Yeah. That they, was okay with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, free, which is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but the best I can do. No, I think I quite literally texted Joe because we were talking about it at dinner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'll just ask him. And he wrote back within seconds and was like, I've been waiting for you to ask. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was desperate from what I heard. Yeah. I didn't he say that, wait. but okay. If you want to live in that world, you're welcome <laughs> to it. Well, well, Joe, this is a good opportunity to talk about this. You've been doing a lot of cool uh, podcasting things. I have, but that's you want to talk about your drink and draw thing you've been doing. I just I joined in on a stream with um, Dan Pinocean and uh, Dave Johnson and Jeff Johnson. They do they do a stream called uh, the Drink and Draw Social Club, which is sort of a uh, a streaming version of the Drink and Draw Social Club, which is a thing they do out in LA. Where um, I don't know if it's once a month or once every few weeks, uh, they gather up a bunch of LA artists and they come together and they just find a local bar that could tolerate them, uh, which I'm sure is probably the hardest part to do. And then, uh, and then they just draw. Uh, and then on occasion, they, they, they do some stuff with live models, uh, which is also very cool. So, you know, come on down and you sketch away, you hang out with artists, you, uh, you, uh, you know, exchange war stories and bitch about whatever you want to bitch about and uh, draw some pretty pictures. So the, uh, the stream is kind of just an extension of that. We just sit around uh, there's no, we, we don't know what we're going to talk about. We have a guest every once in a while. We have a guest cancel every once in a while. And then we just sit, we draw. And then sometimes we talk about the business. Sometimes we do tutorials, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever's on top of mind, you know? Um, and, and those guys drink, I'm not a big drinker. So, you know, I think I've, in, I, I don't know how many episodes I've done, but I think I've drunk twice. I've had a, you know, yeah. a, a hard cider. Have you, uh, <laughs> have you been friends with those guys for a long time? Oh my God! Well, Pinocchio is the first guy to ever ink me. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, so I, you know, we, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, first first penciling job, and I'm like, you know, I love when when when, when creators are teams, and so I, I, I called up my inker and say, hey, how you doing? And we got talking, uh, and Dan is like, you know, it was this crazy, uh, you know, redneck from Florida, and uh, sure. went down to visit. Still him. is. Yeah, went down to visit him, and uh, you know, got in a lot of trouble. But we really hit it off, and he's just—he's just a great guy, and, and and Dan is one of the hardest working guys I've ever come across in this business. 
nobody has a bad word to say about Dan, unlike all of us. Absolutely. Here, you know, so. One of the most fascinating things about Dan is his early career versus what he does now, which was, you know, he was from that sort of extreme school of art, and now he's like one of the more innovative artists in comics, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, Dan is, like I said, Dan has worked to improve his skill. Uh, and you uh-huh. just, you, you could, if you chart his career, you could just see how it's better and better and better and better and better. Uh, and he's really, really worked very, very hard at it because, you know, he's just not naturally talented. He's just, you know, he really yeah. is. <laughs> uh, you know, there's no skills there. So he's got to work really hard. Right. Joe, you said that Dan was your first inker. What book was that? It was a book called Spelljammer for DC Comics. It was a TSR, if you're into that role-playing world, which I'm not. Uh, but huh. if you are, uh, it was a TSR... Uh, licensed book, uh, so uh, yeah, that was my very. What is TSR? Uh, I'm sorry, TSR. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, who's the company that does them? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what the company is, but I know what you're talking about. So that was that was my first gig, and and you know I didn't, I was I was too new. I was so excited to be drawing that I had no idea how really crappy a job <laughs> job it was, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was comics, man, and there is there are no crappy right. jobs in comics, really. Uh, but it wasn't Iron right. Man, it wasn't Captain America, it wasn't Batman, it wasn't any of that stuff. It was characters I, I had no idea who they were. But I did my research and, uh, you know, we went. Yeah. How, how, lo- was, how long did you work with Dan? I, I, however many issues I did of that book. I may have done four, five, six issues of that book. So I worked with Dan right. there. And then, uh, and the, the interesting thing is that I didn't work with Dan again until about maybe three or four years ago. And it, and it was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was completely by happenstance. Dan, uh, I, I was, um, I got, and I'm going to name drop a little bit here because you know, this, I know this kind of shit impresses you guys like crazy. So, uh, I, I get a call from Hugh Jackman and mm-hmm. he, uh, he asked me, we, we, I, I'd done some artwork for him in the past and he asked me if I wanted to do some artwork for the Logan movie. And I'm like, you mean the concept stuff? And he's like, no, 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 no. Apparently, you know, you guys have seen the movie, so spoiler warning. Yeah. There are comic books in the movie, and it's sort of this meta thing where the X-Men exist in this universe, and then somebody decided that they would make X-Men comics completely unlicensed, uh, and, uh, and, and they would tell these stories, imaginary stories of the X-Men. So, mm-hmm. so in the movie, Logan picks up, a, is handed a comic book, because supposedly within that comic book, there is this coded mes- message uh, that that is really something that can be helpful to the X Men, etc. Um, so so he said, hey, would you draw those comic pages that that uh, Wolverine Logan pages through? And I said, hell yeah, okay, cool. So um, I get a call from the uh, uh, whoever the production guy is that, that that's working on you know this kind of thing, and uh, and I can tell he's 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 a little weird about it, you know. Um, and because I, I guess he got this news late is the only way I can explain it. And so it turns out that he had already hired a guy who had been working because it, there, there's more than just like four pages of comic books. There are covers. There are a lot of there 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 are a bunch of fake sort of faux covers. Yeah, all supposed to be done. Was it a comic book guy? Yeah, it was all supposed to be done in like sort of that that in a faux you know early '90s mid '90s sort of image extreme kind of style. And he's like, uh, he's like, well, you know, I, I, I got a guy who's doing these already, so I'm just going to have to tell him that he can't do these pages. I said, who is it? He's like, Dan Pinochian, do you know him? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. 
I can't. I, as if he's a buddy of mine, I can't take. I can't take food off his off his table. I mean, that's just not cool. Um, yeah. And then he he said he said no no he's going to get paid fully for the whole thing. I'm like okay, so I said let me call Dan and let me make sure he's cool, right? So so I talked to Dan. Dan of course is like yeah totally cool. I'm like hey why don't we just team up and 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 I'll draw it and you ink it. And you know he's going to be doing and he he was doing this sort of faux coloring and stuff like that. And anyway that's that's we haven't worked since those first day first few days that we were both at, at DC. Uh, so the kicker to this is that. Uh, submit the pages. Uh, the, the the movie is being made, and and the movie comes out, and I never got paid. <laughs> and oh my so god! So I get a hold of the guy, and uh, and he's like, "Oh yeah, there was no money in the budget for you because you know we we paid Dan." Uh, and, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, that that's that's totally cool. I'm not you know I, I would have done it for free for you anyway, but just so you guys know." Um, legally, you got to pay me at least a dollar because if not, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that guy, but you know, technically, there could be copyright, you know, uh, infringements on this stuff, and I, and I can kind of go after you guys because I own it then, um, or a portion, a portion of it. I just, I know he had to pay yeah. something. So anyway, they, they, they figured it out and they, they threw me a little money, but, um, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that's how me and Dan teamed up again. So it was fun. Whatever happened to, uh, I mean, I imagine they printed a. A few of them, right? Yeah, I want to see this. I don't think I've seen. Do it. you own one? Uh, what do you mean, the comic? Yeah, because the comic in the in the movie, they must have printed a few of them, right? Yeah, but they're probably props. You know, the, the, so those are the kind of things you'll probably go if there's like a prop auction. That's probably where they'll go. Um, you know, yeah. I, I drew the thing digitally, and then Dan inked it oh. uh, uh, analog. Um, so mm-hmm. I could, you know, I, I could dig it up and I'll send it to you guys. I can show you the digital stuff and and how radically different it looked when Dan gave it sort of the the extreme image kind of, you know, yeah. uh, look. So he, he went back to his roots yeah. for yeah. for this look. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's a perfect gig for Dan because he looks like he's always cosplaying Wolverine anyway. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know... That big, beautiful I, hair. You didn't know when he had... Uh, he had the most glorious mullet of every any man on planet. Oh. You know. See, I'm on, that, I'm on that mullet train, man. I'm trying to get there. Don't do it, dude. <laughs> no... Joe, you never like any of my hair choices anyway. Dude, I had a mullet. Trust me. You know, it's like it's like when I see guys. And no offense, guys, but you know, with, you know, you will never see my photos of me with the mullet. And mine was glorious, but you'll never see it because it's it's one of those fashion statements that um, it didn't age well at all, right? So, so anybody. <laughs> I mean, I saw mullet, you in Mallrats. What was that? I mean, I saw you in Mallrats. You look nah, pretty I good. I was way past the mullet period. You know, I was, oh, really? I was still I was still lightening my hair a la a la Donny Cates. Uh, yeah, that's right. No, there was no I, when I was in comics, that mullet was long gone. But it's not an enduring fashion statement, and, and any guy you know from from my generation will will always bury those mullet photos. Um, <laughs> except, uh, and it's like when I see guys with top knots today, um, uh-huh. I, I I just want to tell them, guys, trust me, take it down. Twenty years from now, you're going to hide all those photos. You're going to lose. You're going to use years of photographs should, because you're not. Going we to should want call to. it the the millennial mullet. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's one of the, it's just one of those. It's just not going to age well. Um, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but but I, I'm I'm doing this show, and, and, and one of the cameramen on my show uh, is this dynamite guy, and and uh, and he has he always has a top knot. So I just abused him for, for months. And, and, and I would, his name was Ben, but I called Ben Topknot. Hey, Topknot, what's up? When we were done shooting, 
all of a sudden there was no more top there. I'm like, and, he, and, he, and his hair looked great. He looked great. I'm like, dude, what happened? He's like, I couldn't take it anymore, man. You're right. You shamed the he hell broke out of him. He broke him. I broke him. Yeah, he just he he saw the light. He finally looked in the mirror and realized, I don't need this thing, man. I really don't. You know, oh, you're not you're not gonna break me, man. I'm getting this mullet going. I, you know, listen. I'm bringing it back, baby. Bring it back. Bring it back. Have fun with it. You know. Yes, um, sir. Yeah. Go what on. can you can you talk about that show? Yeah, well, we could talk a little bit about it. It's it's a it's a show for Disney Plus. It's called Storyboards. Uh, I can't tell you who all the guests are, and I can't right. tell you uh, when it premieres. But it's gonna be on Disney Plus. Uh, we did right. twelve mm-hmm. episodes. And it was really a blast. I mean, it's it's. Um, I filmed the pilot on a lark. I just just you know I had an idea for a show, which was which was kind of, um, I guess the, the you know the, the the elevator pitch right the the Hollywood elevator pitch is, it's it's like Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown without the food and culture. It's about story and also I try to do the fish out of water thing where I walk in other people's shoes in the way that they tell their stories. So in the case of a guy like Ed Veaster. Uh, Ed Veaster is probably the greatest American mountain climber in, in the history of mountain climbing. He's one of the few people that have climbed all the great peaks, every single one of them. What makes his, his climbs unusual is that he's done them without supplemental oxygen. He's just done it on his own. Whoa. So, so, you know, not only did he come back with incredible stories, right? And, 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 and talk about like the greatest metaphor in the world for, you know, uh, for, for how to be successful in life. But the story, it just, just, yeah, just the, his methodology about how he was able to climb these mountains without oxygen conveys a story all unto itself. I mean, I, I you know, I'll, I'll spoil a little bit of the episode, but one of the things that really that I, that I didn't imagine was that the only way you could really climb mountains like Everest or, or K2 or any of these uh, great peaks without oxygen in the way that he does because it takes days and sometimes you're sitting in a tent for days because you can't you have to wait for the weather to break or you can't climb even if it's beautiful weather because on the way down the weather's gonna be terrible and and, and you got to make it back alive um but he we went on a climb so he took me on on a climb up this small mountain and he said the way we do it is you know you look at you look at uh you know a rock or something maybe 30 feet ahead and you just say, I just got to make it to that rock. I just got to make it to that rock. And then when you make it there, you set the next goal and the next goal. You know, you don't look at the top and just go, yeah, we're, we're doing that. Right. It's, just, it's just too much to take in and, uh, and you're not going to do it in a day anyway. So there were some really, really wonderful stories um, that, uh, that you know, my guests told. And, you know, I got to do some 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 great and stupid things that, like, you know, climbing a, climbing a small mountain uh, with snowshoes for the first time. Uh, yeah, for a born and bred New Yorker, man, comedy gold, <laughs> baby, comedy gold. Yeah, did you find that um, many? Uh, I mean, I imagine that you found so many through lines. Like we all do, did different things. We all tell stories in different ways, but I imagine that there was a um, a, a similar story amongst all of them about how they kind of approach how they their craft, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so much of it because you know these are all people that are successful. In their chosen fields, right? And and by the way, these are not all just expect the, the kind of guests that you would expect. I, I I I literally have guests from all different walks of life, right? Some that are very famous, some that you may not even know, but they have incredible stories. Um, and so much of it uh, revolves around it, it's it's something that, that I've sort of worked up in my head. My my daughter's a figure skater, so mm-hmm. one one of the things when I talk publicly to kids and, and and we talk about like, hey, you know. 
how do you make it in anything? Um, you know, the, the short, you know, talent comes into play, being fortunate in, in, in where you are at the right time, right place, all that stuff comes into play. But really at the end of the day, anybody who has sort of made it in any chosen field, whatever that may be, um, it's learning how to fall. It's learning how to fail, right? It's not just being able to, and all these guests have that in common. It's not just being able to, you know, fall down or fail and, and I'm going to pick myself up by the bootstraps, right? But it's knowing how to fail. So many people, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's, there's clearly people that fail and, they, and, and, and it's really tough to get up, right? And they, they, they just don't have that for that particular yeah. chosen field or whatever it may be, right? Um, but then there, is, there are those that get up and learn nothing, absolutely nothing. And all that's going to right. do is just destine you to keep falling at the exact same place, right? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, how, how, look, you guys are, this, I don't get this absolute cardinal thing, right? You guys are just ridiculously lucky. It's Marvel <laughs> marketing. It's not talent right, at yeah. all, right? So, <laughs> absolutely. It, it doesn't matter how successful you guys get. You're going to fall. You know this, right? You, you, as, right, as yeah. a professional creator, you know, somewhere down the road, a year to, you know, it may be a minor fall, maybe a major thing. Something's going to screw up. You, you, you're not, you know, you just, something's not going to be received well. You're going to, you're going to make a bad business decision. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to lose your cool, whatever. It happens to all of us. The thing is, what do you do when you know you screwed up, right? If you can, if you can take from that, if you can learn from that, if you figure out, okay, then, you know, and again, I go back to my daughter. My daughter spends, I'd say, one, two thirds of her time falling on her ass, right? Doing a jump, falling, doing a jump, falling, doing a jump, falling. And all of that, all of that falling is training for that one moment where she's in a competition and she's got to nail the jump, right? And mm -hmm, that's yeah. what you want. I mean, really, it's, it's, it's not how many times you, you know, so how, many how many pencils you break, you know, Steg. It's not how many, you know, it's how many, how many times you have to rewrite the, the, the script, right? You know this, right? It's a matter of like, yeah, what right. have you learned? Okay, I screwed this one up, right? You read your comic and you're like, ah, man, you know, next time I'm not going to make that mistake. But there, there are a lot of people, and, and I see it even in young creators that, that have their portfolios reviewed, where their, their attitude is not one of... Of, 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 of grace and one of one of one of wanting to absorb knowledge it's sort of a defensive mm -hmm. one, right you give a critique I'll give a critique yeah, absolutely. To somebody, and suddenly they're telling me that I'm wrong I'm like I may be but you mm -hmm. know what I'm the guy who's going to hire you and, and what you've shown me right now is that your attitude is if your attitude is this way when you're an amateur it's only going to be tenfold if you become a professional and then you'll just be someone that nobody wants to work with you know and there's a lot of people mm -hmm. out there there's a lot of professional artists that nobody wants to work with um, right. because it just... Well, Joe, I mean, like, you know, not to get too into detail, because it's a thing between you and me, but uh, last year around New York Comic Con, I had a really hard time, and I, I made some mistakes and stuff, and you and I talked about it, and I remember the quote that you told me uh, to this day, which is you said, this is only broke if you don't fix it. You know, and I've carried that, and that's that goes to 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 the work, to the personal life, to everything. And that's what you're talking about, right? Yes, it's like the, yeah, everyone's that's, gonna that's fall down. That's definitely you know what you were going through is definitely one of those things, right? It was it was yeah, it was it was it was your own personal thing, and and yeah, it's it's only broke. But the thing is also done that, that you have you've earned you've earned enough credit, right, with the people mm -hmm. you work with, right? The they, they 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 love you, they love your energy, they love your talent, all that sort of stuff, right? You you, you hit your deadlines, you do your work. And even, by the way, even as you were going through this stuff, 
you weren't missing any deadlines. You know, you were you were no. still cranking out the work. So yeah. so you had you have credit in the bank, and that makes it yeah. ten times easier to fix, right? If this was like a consistent problem, you know, like, like you've gone through this three or four times in the last year or stuff, right? You know, then people can be like, man, I, you know, I, I, you're, it, it, you can still fix it, but then it's a little harder to fix the reputation, you know. Right. Um, but you know, actually, to this, I'm reminded uh, that that uh, that guy to your right there, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, him. Ryan. By the way, what's your nickname, Ryan? Is there a nickname for you? Is it like the Stag, or or, or the Stagmeister? The Stagmeister. Stagmeister. Or, or <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I came up with one today. I like. I like Stag. Stag is good. Stag. I'll oh, go I, ahead. I like Stag the Man Man. Okay. Stag the, man, the man, man Man. Like Stanley. Yeah. Stan the man, I got it. Right. So yeah, yeah, hell yeah. But the Stag is cool too. Uh, <laughs> but I, I remember, how many years ago was it? Was it? Uh, man, you, you were you were already a rookie professional at Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. You sent me your pages, did you not? You, you went through. Yes, you, absolutely. Right. So yeah. I think you went through George, and George is like, mm-hmm. Stegman wants you to critique his pages," and I'm like, "What?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah," and, I, and and I immediately thought, "That's fantastic," as and I and I, I I'll tell you why, but I'll also tell you mm-hmm. that what I told George was, "I'll absolutely critique his pages." As long as I could be brutally honest with him, right? Because mm-hmm. what I felt you were looking for was the same thing when I when I was starting to really get rolling with my work, and I was looking for. You get to the point right. where you know you have a reputation, people like your art, whatever it may be, and you hand your pages to your editor, and ninety nine point nine percent of the time they'll say, "Thank you very much. Go finish up the rest of the book," right? And you're sitting there right. going, "No, no, man, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me how I can get better. Mm-hmm. Please, tell, I, I right. want you to bust my ass." Uh, and mm-hmm. it's really hard to get from an editor because, you know, they're constantly churning stuff out, churning stuff out, churning stuff out. Right. So when I got this from you, I'm like, the, it, it told me a lot about you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, you're a terrible artist, so let's just skip past it. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean... It, Which I, was I, your I just, whole critique. I thought <laughs> there's very few working professionals that would do that. And, and I, I, thought mm-hmm. it was, uh, I thought it was great, you know. And I, and I kicked your ass. Uh, it was a it was a great moment for me because I, I I told you this before, but afterwards, what you did more than just like destroying me was you told me what I should what I was as an artist, which I I couldn't I couldn't figure out what I was aiming for, and you were like, this is what you're aiming for, do this, and it was, and from that point on, I just leaned into it, and it's been like a uphill you know trajectory ever since. It was a, it was really great for me. But I, I mean, I've I always been I've always been that it, way. But publicly, I'll yeah. say it's all you, man. It's all you. <laughs> it takes a village, Joe. It's yeah. just as much me as it is you. I feel like it you know has there, anything to do with you. Don. A, a, a funny story. Early in my career, I was already working for Marvel, doing a smaller book. I was doing that Magician Apprentice book for Dable Brothers, and at, I went in and uh, Marvel was doing the portfolio reviews at C two E two. And I, I did the drop off, and then Aubrey Sitterson was, uh, you know, he was meeting with me to critique my stuff, and he, he was looking at it, and he slowed down, and he goes, "Don't you work for us?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, yeah, but I just wanted more information, you know, like tell me what I, what you want to see from me. I'd like to do, you know, better work." But I think that that's, I think that that's a huge thing. Is well, I think what you were saying earlier, it's, it's about not being afraid to fail, you know. Yeah. We were talking to a young writer uh, today. We're, that's the advice that I give every young writer or artist. I say that, especially in this industry, 
um, you have got to just get it in your head that you're going to fail in public. Mm-hmm. And that, like, the first thing that you do is maybe not going to be the best thing in the world. I mean, you should be proud of your work and give it your all, but just know that it's the first step. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I always say, like, you know, you, you wouldn't be nervous to go to a French class because you don't speak French. Like, that's what it's there for, you know? So you can't be nervous in your first steps. You're not going to know how to do everything perfect. And that's okay. But you got to make those first steps to get to where you want to be. And that just involves a lot of falling down, you know? But I, I tell people, I don't know anyone who consistently puts out work, takes critiques, and gets better at them that didn't eventually get a job. Right. You know? Most of the people who don't make it are the ones who give up because they just can't take either falling down or the critique or the or the pace of it, you know. But it's 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 doable. I'll tell you guys a story. It, um, you know, since since we don't really have a time limit here, I'm gonna I'm gonna ramble on. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know I'm good at that, Donnie. You know how good I am. Yes, sir. So when I was um, when I was in art school, um, my senior year in art school. Uh, I was an illustration major, and every illustration senior had to take what was called, you know, creatively enough, senior illustration class. Uh, so, mm-hmm. senior illustration class was run uh, by by a, an amazingly uh, popular, famous artist at the time, a guy named Marshall Ariston. Uh, and Marshall was like, you know, he 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 was this sort of like abstract kind of really. It was really just a biz. It, I can't call him Gigares, but his his paintings would have that effect on you. Like they would sort of they had this dark, sort of eerie feel to them, but they were brilliant. And he was a really smart guy. And and you know, going in as a seniors, we didn't know what senior illustration class was. We we're like, is Marshall gonna show us, you know, how he paints? But the class takes place in the amphitheater in the school. So cool. all the students are there. And basically what it boils down to, it's just a sto- it's a it's a it's a class on the business of art. Now that you've taken all these life drawing classes, then you've taken the painting class, then you've done all this stuff. Here's here's how you run your business. Here's how you run your brand. Here's how you do vouchering. Here's how you do all this stuff as a freelance illustrator going off into the world, right? Amazingly valuable class. First day of class, Marshall Arisman is holding court, right? Amphitheater, one guy in the center of the amphitheater. He says, okay, so before we begin, uh, I want to tell you right now that the majority of you people here will never be professional illustrators. Maybe, maybe three or four of you will make it as professional artists. Every jaw in this amphitheater hit the ground because we're all sitting there going, we just paid for four years of college, dude. And you're telling us this now? Um, And then he says... uh, and out of those three or four that actually do make it as professional illustrators, more than likely it will not be the top three or four students in this graduating class. At which point I went, I'm cool. I could listen now, you know, because I was by far not <laughs> the best artist in my class. Right. And he started, you know, he, he and I'm going to paraphrase and, 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 and go through this quickly. But, you know, he said, look, you got, you got artist A. Artist A, he or she is this just, just a brilliant talent right you you, you 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 folks see this person in class and you can't wait to see the stuff they put up on the wall because they're just they're just amazing and beyond their years and here you have artist b who who is you know workman like and 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 does the assignments and and but you know nothing that really sort of blows you away 
These two kids graduate, they hit the workforce. Now understand you're hitting, you're hitting the world of illustration, which at the time there was a world for magazine illustration, but no longer. So you could, you could, you know, substitute, you know, comics in the big league, so to speak. Um, so here you got these, these two artists that go off into the world of illustration and, you know, they, they want to illustrate for magazines. They want to do covers. They want to do all this sort of stuff. But you got to understand that there's also decades of professional artists who already have those jobs. The top guys are getting the top jobs. The, 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 the middle tier people are getting the middle tier jobs and so on. Your chances of breaking in when you show your portfolio for the first time are essentially nil. I don't care how talented you are because even if you're brilliant, there's someone ahead of you who's already been working professionally, who's got those relationships with those editors, with those art directors. So uh, so these two kids will hit, the, will hit the streets. They'll hit the pavement and their, their, their first five portfolio reviews, they will be rejected. They will not get work. They'll get constructive criticism, but they will not get work. By the 10th time, they're still not getting work. Artist A, the amazingly talented one, maybe doesn't have that stuff that you need. And he or she is just sort of starting to speed wobble a little bit. Maybe I didn't make the right career decision. Artist B, they just want it so badly, they don't care. They just, you know, they, they go out there, they keep banging their heads. By the 25th rejection, artist A is done. Artist A is working at a supermarket, boxing or whatever it may be. Artist, artist B keeps going, going, going. 50 rejections, 60 rejections. By the 100th rejection, the 100th and first portfolio review, they get a job. They literally get a job, maybe from an editor who's seen their face 50 times. It doesn't matter. They get their first job. Artist B is now a working professional. And you deliver that work to the best of your ability. You deliver that work on time. You're, if your attitude is great uh, uh, and, 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 and you're easy to work with, work begets work begets work begets work. That's right. And, mm -hmm. and before you know it, Artist B is now getting better and better and better because the work improves the work improves the work. Uh, and, and literally, you know, I, that's kind of my life in a lot of ways. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of our lives. The, mm -hmm. the unfortunate kicker to the story, when I, I wasn't even the best artist in my high school. I was good, but there was a kid in my high school who was the nicest guy in the world, uh, a really sort of mild-mannered kind of guy, and he was a photorealist. A paint, he was painting photorealistic stuff in high school. I'm like, wow. Um, I, I, I'm now working professional. Uh, I go into a supermarket and I swear to you, I see him there and he's boxing in the supermarket. And it broke my heart. And I'm like, I'm like what happened? He's like, you know, life, I, I didn't have money to go to art school. Life caught up with me, uh, you know, got married, the kids and also, and, and he just sort of, you know, fell off the path. Um, and, and he couldn't do it. And I just sat there, I'm like, my, this is like, well, I think it was Marshall Arisman in that story. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. But that, that to me, in, in, a, in a, it really is, is, you know, is, is CBR, CB Sabolsky, our editor-in-chief, has this saying that, that everybody breaks in in different ways. And once, that, once somebody breaks in that, that one particular way, that way's done. You've got to break in some other right. way, right? And those are subtleties, right? Um, and, I, and I keep thinking of this guy. And I keep thinking of, of you know, he, he could have done this. He could have been there. Um, but you know he couldn't find that way. He couldn't find his right. his own personal way in. He couldn't find uh, the the mental toughness to just keep going. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we, we could all we could you know we, we could all sit here and say, hey man, life gets in the way. It does. It really, really does. Um, right. But you know, you want it enough. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, that's that's what I what it comes down to, and it's kind of 
It's hard to explain sometimes to people. People ask me, and I'm sure all of us here, oh, how do you break in? Oh, you know, like, I'm a writer. I want to do this. And I tell everybody the same thing because there's not really any cheat codes to it, right? I mean, especially as a writer, no one's going to read your script. You got to find a great artist. You got to pay him. You got to make your own comics. You got to put it in editor's hands. That's Everyone has a similar version of that where mm-hmm. if they wanted to make comics... They started making comics, right? But then what you get on Twitter, and I'm sure you see it, Joe, all the time, is people coming back and saying, oh, well, I can't do that because X, Y, and Z. I can't. I work a job. I I don't have money to do this and everything. And you hate to be kind of a dick, but the answer to that is if you want it, you'll do it. Right. You know, if it means enough to you, you will move mountains. Yeah. You know? Look, everybody's got... Difficult situations, right? And, right. And, and, you know, I had mine, you had yours. We've also been, you know, fortunate in other ways to be able to, to, to break in. Totally. Um, and, and, you know, at some point, you know, there's always somebody there who gave you a helping hand, right? They gave you, they gave you that right. one bit of advice that makes it all sort of click. I, I remember getting in trouble once for asking this question, right, about, about, about an old adage. Uh, because it, it gets taken wrong, right, if, if you interpret it literally, which is true talent does not go undiscovered. Right, mm-hmm. so you think about that. True talent does not go undiscovered. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I tend to believe that. I think you know, people say, mm-hmm. well, "What about Van Gogh?" Well, Van Gogh did get discovered. He just died. Right, he did right. Uh, yeah. well, well, what about that kid? You know, that, that kid that's so impoverished that that they, they 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 don't have the ability. I'm like, it's pencil and paper. And you know what? I know a lot of successful people that had nothing in life. That came from some of the worst situations you could imagine in life. But their talent was, was undeniable. And when I say true talent, I don't necessarily mean being the top person at your, in an art school or the best artist in your group of friends, right? That, what, what rolls into that talent is, is a mental toughness. It's, it's, a, it's a desire to want it more than anyone. A perfect example right. of this, Donnie, you've, I know you've heard me tell this story. Is, is, and I hate telling this story because I hate kissing his ass. Brian Bendis, right? I didn't know who, you know, I didn't know who Brian Bendis was, right? This is, this is, uh, I became editor-in-chief at Marvel, and uh, Mar- I was still, I was, I was running Marvel Nights, and I was editor-in-chief at Marvel, and David Mack and I were working on Parts of a Hole, uh, Daredevil Parts of a Hole, and, and uh, David and I go back a long ways, and David, David asked me for a favor. He said, would you, would you mind um, reading some comics from a friend of mine? Uh, it'd be a huge favorite to me. I'm like, sure, you know, have him have him send me stuff. What's his name? Brian Michael Bendis. Cool. Um, and then he was telling me stories about Brian, how they would, you know, they, they were working at Caliber Comics and and uh, they would just get in a in a in a broken up broken down car, and travel cross country, and just visit comic shops in their in their car, just like mm-hmm. hawk their wares. And I'm like, that's the way to do it, right? So, I. Uh, Two days later, I get this manila envelope uh, with comics. And when I say a manila, manila envelope, I mean, it's one of those big ones. And it's like this thick. Oh, Jesus. Full of comics. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? So uh, so I open it up. And there are all these Brian Bendis comics. They're all in black and white. And I look at the artwork and I'm like, Eef. ooh, right? Because Brian was drawing it. Uh, I mean, seriously, it was just the artwork is not good. And what it was, was it? Do you, was it like Torso and Jinx and stuff like that? Torso and Jinx, and there was something else in there. Goldfish? 
Goldfish, yeah. But the volume of Fortune and Glory. I don't know if Fortune and Glory was in there yet. It might have been. Okay. But the, 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 the artwork was terrible. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really hard to get through. I'll try to get through a couple of issues. And I read one issue, and I'm reading, and it's just like, it's just like, and it, it just, I go through it like butter. And I'm like, all right, let me read another one. And I'm still suffering through the art. But, uh, but I read this stuff, and I'm like, where has this guy been? This guy is yeah. ridiculous. And I'm struck by, by several things. And, and, and these are the kind of things that, being in the industry long enough, you sort of, you sort of learn to see them, uh, or you hope you can spot them. So here's a guy who is working at Caliber. He, he clear, he's, he's drawing his own stuff because he needs to get his vision out there. Uh, and and the, the amount of work that's out there is telling me that, that and you know, traveling by car to stores and just doing all that sort of you know, guerrilla marketing, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, all that sort of stuff. And then the volume and the volume and the volume of the work and the quality of every issue and the fact that the writing is so good, I don't care how terrible the art is. And like, my, my thought was, this is a guy that will not be denied. He needs and yeah. wants and utterly desires to have his voice out there and he's going to do it no matter what. Whether I hire him or not, he's going to get it out there at some point in a bigger way, right? This is still black and white and, 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 and people who know him know him. But if you don't know him, you don't know him. Um, yeah. So, but as, as, as the steg will know, um, I, I don't like to BS people and I don't, I like to cut to the chase because when I was dealing with editors, I just want, you know, I, I, I used to have editors that would like circle around a problem or something they wanted to tell me. Just tell me. I'm yeah, let's adult. just work. Just tell me. So even if, even if it's going to hurt my feelings, even if it's going to piss me off, you know what? 24 hours from now, I'll be over it and we'll be on to something else. Um, so I, I called him up. And, uh, and and Brian will deny this, but I will never forget. Uh, and I understand why Brian wants to deny it. So I, I called him up. And I said, I said, hey, Brian, it's Joe Quesada. And, you know, and, and he gushed all over me. I mean, it's just like, it was it was ridiculous. Oh, my God. He just, <laughs> he just kissed my ass up and down. You're, uh, at this was, time, frankly, you're editor-in-chief at this point? I'm editor-in-chief, yeah. yeah. Okay. Said, frankly, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Um no, he didn't. He didn't do that. Uh, but I, I said, I said, Brian, I got to tell you, you are one hell of a writer, but you can't draw worth shit. Those are my exact words. My opening line to it. And and I'm figuring, you know what? It's this is it's kind of a test. If he could if he could take that, I mean, the conversation doesn't hang up, and the conversation continues. Right. All right. Right. Because that's the truth. If he if he wanted to be a writer artist at Marvel, it wasn't going to happen for him. Right. Was, he did not have a Marvel style. He didn't have a commercial style. He barely had a style. Uh, so, uh, so I just I just wanted to get that out of the way. I didn't want to want to get into that conversation of like, well, could I write? And no, you can't draw. I want. I will hire you to write. Um, but that's what you're talking know, I, about, I, though, I, right? Is like ultimately, Brian had that drive and wouldn't let anything get in his way. Like maybe at the time Brian couldn't afford an artist or didn't know anybody, yeah. But he was he was going to get it out. Yeah. I mean Hickman's the same way. Hickman's early image stuff was all him, you know, and yeah. he just had but to Hickman, get it out, you know. But Hickman could draw. Uh, Hickman's good. <laughs> yeah. So so in the case of in the case of Brian, you know, I, I said this to him, and there was you know there were a couple of beats, and he and you know I, I could I could tell he was a little disappointed, but we kept the conversation going. And I said, you know, I'll, I'll hire you for Daredevil. Let, let's let's go. Let's do this thing. And B 
before he got his Daredevil run, uh, you know, Bill Jemis was starting the Ultimate line, and, and he was looking for a writer, and I'm like, I got this guy, Brian Bendis, I never heard of him, send me his books, I did, and that was it. The rest, just, he, he did Ultimate Spider-Man before he actually got to Daredevil. But it was, and, 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 and look, his, his decision to not tell me to go F myself, his decision to take the critique and say, you know, and maybe in his mind he's thinking, all right, you know what, let me break in as a writer, maybe I'll get in as an artist a little bit later on. You know what, he had no time to be an artist. He's a writer, you know. He could draw a little bit, but that's not where he's going to, you know, he would not have become Brian Michael Bendis, I believe, if, if you know, if he wanted to draw. Well, you know, Joe, I'm a I'm a Marvel artist now. Did you see my Midtown variant? I did. It's pretty pretty outstanding. <laughs> you pretty impressed or what? I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get your critique off air. Yeah, I'm gonna need my art critique, Joe. I think I just got it actually. <laughs> You're right. Well, hey, buddy. well, speaking right. of speaking of your time as um, as editor in chief. Um, which is, I think, uh, some of the best years that Marvel's ever had as far as For just, sure. like, a reawakening wow. of... To me, it always seemed like a time where people were allowed and encouraged to just swing for the fences, you know, and just yeah. go as big and as hard as they possibly could. Was that something that you, like, pushed for and, and tried to get people going? Because I've always... I've known you forever, but I've never really talked to you about your um, tenure as editor-in-chief. Because I miss it. Well, yeah, I was, was I was an intern while you were still editor in chief. Yeah, yeah. I didn't notice you at all. I know. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I mean it was it was a fun time. It really was. It was, um, you know, Marvel was in, Marvel was in chapter eleven. And guys, brace yourself. But back then, people were say, even when we started Marvel Knights in nineteen ninety eight, people were talking about the death of comics. It was over. You know. Well, it's so, happening really so, soon, right? It, yeah, every 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 week, comics is dying. It's always it's. I never. I've said this before, but never in my life have I seen an industry so happy, yeah. and so enthralled to call its own demise. Well, I obsessed with its I, own it's, doom. You know, I was saying this on. I was saying this on. It's on just a self. Panel. It's it's self loathing. It is yeah. it, people. For sure. you know, I know. I was saying it. this the other day. Is like. TV shows get canceled all the time, and like a TV show will get canceled, but people don't go. Well, I guess TV's over. I guess we're not doing TV anymore. Like a Starbucks will close, and people don't go. Well, I guess coffee's done for. Like you know, DC shut down Vertigo and Mad, but they also launched four new lines. Comic book stores close. Comic book stores open. It it happens. Yep. Look, I, I I was penciling in the industry when the market really crashed, right? right? All the speculators left. They were gone. Right. And, and you know, we were doing event comics. And I remember going up to Marvel and seeing, you know, some senior editors up there, and I believe even the editor-in-chief, looking at sales and saying, well, you know, this is definitely rock bottom. This is absolutely rock bottom. And then the next month's sales would come in and it'd be even lower. I mean, thousands of stores closed. Hundreds of artists and writers were out of work. You know, uh, tons of companies were going out of business. Uh, in a lot of ways, it was self-correction also, right? Because, you know, a lot of these companies, a lot of these creators were in the business for the wrong reason and probably, you know, weren't putting out material that was worthwhile. Some did, but unfortunately, they got caught up in this whole thing. But every month, it came lower and lower and lower. And, and, and Jimmy Pamiani and I would sit in my, in my apartment 
literally thinking about well, what the hell are we going to do when right. there are no more comics to draw or write? I mean, what are we going to do when there's, if there's no industry? We are qualified to do nothing, absolutely nothing in the real world. Um, so you know, it, it, it picked up a little bit, and then you know, when I when I when we got to to Marvel in 1998, they were in really bad shape, and they were they were in Chapter 11 when I became editor in chief. Uh, we were we were digging our way out of Chapter 11. So, you know, but but the hardest thing at Marvel was Marvel had developed such a bad reputation with creators. You know, Alan Moore was pissed at us. Neil Gaiman was pissed at us. Everybody was pissed at us because at one point or another, we we, we had screwed them. We had messed. We we had we had revoked uh, the terms of deals with them. So that was my that was my you know coming from the creative creative community. I knew all the horror stories and and I knew that. You know, they, when Marvel was at its very, very top, there was a level of arrogance there um, that was that was hard to take. It was really, really hard to take. That's why I ended up working a lot at DC, and then I ended up working at Valent, and I ended up working on my own um, because it was it was just it was uh, uh, it was it was you know it, you know you you get arrogant when you're when you're number one, but there was a level of it of like, do you guys not know that you could fail at any moment, right? You could screw right. up at any moment, so. When I became editor-in-chief, I wanted to bend a lot of fences. So I made a lot of phone calls. Uh, I traveled to the UK to meet with Alan Moore. Not to ask him to do work, just to find out how do we make it right with you? What did we do wrong and how do we make it right? And we did. And and I never asked him to do work. Uh, and with Neil, it was the same thing. How did we do wrong with you? Let's, let's fix that. And then later on, Neil did, did say, hey, let's do something together. But the goal wasn't necessarily to just, you know, you know, butter these guys up because, you know, we'll get them, get them to work for us. It was, it was sort of, you know, I'm not a believer in karma, but I guess it, it, it kind of was, you know, a, a way of fixing that sort of thing, that, that bad vibe. If I'm going to sit at the desk, uh, I want to try to clean it up as best I can. Yeah. And then it was a matter of going out to, to, to writers and artists that we never would ever go out to. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you, you, you knew this, Donnie, or you guys know this at all, but, you know, Marvel had... A tremendous amount of internal freelance that was always done within the company, and oh. and it was kind of a tradition, right? Because because Stan was inter- was doing internal freelance, but geez, it's Stan Lee, you know what I mean? You had, right. you had one of the most creative minds in the world. Well, you got to use him that way. Um, but what happened over the years is that 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 you know, when people hired, came to work at Marvel as editors, well, guess what? That editor might be writing Captain America or or, or Iron Man, or, or that editor. That the, the assistant editor may be doing the color guides for the Hulk and stuff, and the, it became this sort of insidious thing where um, it, it hit me really hard when I was when I was started Marvel Knights, and here's Christopher Priest, he's writing Black Panther, and he's he's killing it on that book, right? And finally, people at, at he used to edit at Marvel, he was a Spider-Man editor, and people were like, oh, Christopher Priest, Jim Owsley, he could write. Uh, let's let's have him pitch on stuff, which he did. And he pitched on a book. I'm not going to mention the name of the book because then people will, you know, track it down and figure out who the people involved are. But he was pitching on a book and he thought he had it. And then he called me up. He's like, I'm not going to get it. I'm like, why aren't you going to get it? He said an assistant editor in one of the other offices pitched on it as well. Oh I'm my like, God. come on. Guess who got the book? The assistant editor. Right. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, the book was probably canceled and all that sort of stuff. But, but what that... What internal freelancing was doing was it was keeping our doors closed to other people, right? It's like so. So if, if Donnie, if you if you had been you know 
uh, you know, of age at that time, uh, <laughs> you you would have come in and said, "Hey, man, I want to I want to do uh, you know I, I want to do Iron Man," and you know, you could be either competing against a working professional or an editor who's writing. That's crazy. But this this but this was it, nobody thought differently of it. Nobody nobody saw how this was closing the doors uh, creatively because. And, and the other thing that was weird was that people were getting salaries and they're getting paid for doing freelance. So so I know for a fact, because I, was, I wasn't I was an employee and I was watching this stuff go down, there'd be one assistant editor in an office who would hire the assistant editor in the office next to them to color books. And that assistant editor would then hire this editor to color his books, you know? Mm-hmm. And so oh. there was this, this, this sort of, you know, quid pro quo kind of thing going on. So not only... You know, you couldn't you couldn't figure out exactly what people were actually making. You couldn't really figure out how assignments were being given out. It was a whole thing. So one of the things that we established at Marvel with Bill Jemison I talked about was no more internal freelancing. No, right. we've done. Sorry, you get paid your salary. If you're if you want to write, right? So let's say Don, let's say you were you were an editor, right? And and but you wanted to write. Um, well, you have two choices. You could write for free, and if it's good enough will use as a writer, right? But not because you're an editor here, you have to be good enough. Right. Because then the the natural progression from this is you're gonna be like, if if you if you start becoming successful and you're writing for free for the company because you already make a salary, your next thought is gonna be like, I gotta quit. I gotta become a professional writer. Which yeah, is yeah. exactly what we'd hope would happen, right? Um, I mean Peter David started out, I think Peter was in marketing and he got to the point where it's like Oh, I'm making way too much money as a writer. I don't want to do this stuff anymore. Oh, I had no idea. That's that, crazy. Yeah, Peter was Peter was 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 internal as well. Every once in a while, somebody internal is a really good writer. So, so as editor in chief, all the work I did, all my penciling, all my covers, all part of my salary. All had to I had to you know had to be that way. So, uh, and that was that was a big big change, a cultural change at Marvel that 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 opened the doors for a lot of people. And then you know I just started making calls to people that normally would never get a call from Marvel to, do, to see if they wanted to do some work for us. And then it was, what, uh, it was the Wild West. You know? Was there was any the friction? West. Was there any friction from the editors that were doing the internal freelancing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, actually, no, no. I'll, I'll take that back. No, there, if there was, they didn't, it, it didn't bubble up to me. It didn't bubble up. But, but I, I sort of heard it after the fact when, when, when some of them left and stuff like that. I mean, I had, I had, uh, uh, I'll tell you a crazy story about, about my, my second or third week as editor in chief. I don't think I've ever told this story. Um, I uh, so I got the job, but I did not move in. I, I had I had an office on the on the floor with publishing at that time, uh, with Marvel Knights, and I had uh, I had gotten the job as editor in chief, and and in respect to, to to Bob Harris, the previous editor in chief, I I didn't move into his office right away. You know, I, I waited a while, so. It might have been two weeks when I finally sort of started settling in, um, and then uh, I set up appointments with each editor and assistant editor uh, separately to come in. You know, tell me how they're feeling, tell me how they're feeling about, about the change, tell me how they're feeling about their jobs, what they want to accomplish. You know, this is sort of clean slate kind of stuff. Uh, let, let, let's talk it out. And uh, and I had an assistant editor come in. I think he was assistant. I don't think he was an editor yet. Um, he came in and he sat down and he just sort of calmly crossed his legs and looked at me and said, uh, so what, what do you think? And he's like, you don't deserve this job. 
whoa. Jeez. I'm like, wow, that's bold. I'm like, really? Why not? He's like, you know, you've only been here at Marvel with Marvel Knights, you know, for like a year and a half. You don't deserve this job. And my response to him was, yeah, but I've been a working professional for, for, you know, well over a decade in this industry, longer than you've been here. Uh, So, you know, I'm equipped, but let's see what we can do. So, you know, we parted fine and and, and, uh, uh, stayed around for a little bit. Um, Years later, I see him at San Diego uh, and he apologizes and he said, yeah, I'm such an asshole and, and, uh, and that, you know, I think, I think we let him go. Uh, he said being let go was, was really some of the best, one of the best things that happened to me and straight me out. Anyway, it was, it was, a, it was a really, it was a really great uh, meeting, you know, and, and, and I was surprised because, you know, he, he didn't hold any grudges and, you know, neither did I. Um, but it was stuff like that. I mean, there, there was a lot of, you know, entrenchment and, and uh, it was weird because I was an outsider coming in. It was already weird when Marvel Knights came in. We were outsiders coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, and, and by the way, I understand it a thousand percent. I get it. I understand why people yeah. think that way. Uh, so I, Well, I, it was probably coming into a, I mean, I can only imagine, right, that like everyone must have been terrified. I mean, with like going bankrupt and everything, I've always, I've always said that, like, what a remarkable time for Marvel because when companies get their backs up against a wall, creati- like, like uh, creatively, they can either go one of two ways. They can start telling really safe stories and, like, start doing nostalgia plays and, like, going back yeah. to doing things that already worked. Or they can well, do what Marvel did. Or they can do what Marvel did and was just like, well, if we're going to go under, let's blow everything up. Right. Let's go fucking crazy. And it worked, yeah. you know? And it, but it must have been, uh, everyone must have been so scared. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, when Marvel Knights first got there, Jimmy and I would walk the, the, the halls, and we always felt like there was a target on our back. Right, right. Um, and it was understandable, because they had just, they'd just gotten past the whole Heroes Reborn stuff. And and Heroes Reborn, you know, the those guys were in California, and... The guys in, in New York were literally feeling like these guys are going to take our jobs. We're done. We're gone. And then when they got those books back, there was clearly a sense of relief, right? We we, we got we got Fantastic Four back. We got these books back. We're 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 back in business. And then suddenly Marvel Knights comes in and takes four books. Right. Uh, but when they asked us, you know, when 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 we were doing our contract with Marvel, um, aside from Daredevil being being uh, a make or break deal point, the other deal point was. Uh, we said we want office space inside of Marvel. We don't want you to pay for extra offices. Just give us offices inside of Marvel. And you know, when Joe Calamari, who was then the president of Marvel, asked why, we said because you know we know the editors up there and we know the stuff they were going through when Heroes Reborn was happening. You know, the 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 the, the sort of you know the PTSD that they were suffering up there. So we want to be in the offices with them. We don't want to be somewhere else and 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 and, and remote. And, and then we also put guidelines on ourselves and, 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 and we, we, we told them we want to go, whatever stage an editor has to go through at Marvel to put out a book, we want to go through those exact same stages, right? So whatever you gotta do to get a book approved, we need to go through it too. Um, so this way, again, they can't say, all right, these, these outsiders, have, you know, they got a golden parachute in one way or another to, 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 to you know, to, to get this stuff done. Um, 
and they added even an extra layer, which was Chris Claremont had to read all our scripts, and, and it was, so so it was it was a lot of sort of eyeballs on this stuff. Yeah, um, I don't know what they were afraid of, but uh, but we worked it out. But there was, you know, it, it was there, culturally there was some stuff that was really really broken up there, and and you know these are. I remember being up at Marvel when I was a freelancer before when the first when the crash started to happen, and like 120 people got laid off in one day. Oh my and, god! I mean, I mean, you have no idea. I mean, a hundred like it was somewhere up there. Maybe it was maybe it was a little less, but people were with pink slips on their desks. Uh, that's it. Done. And, and wow. that happened twice. There were two ginormous layoffs. Um, so so. The people who are left behind, you know, there's there's definitely an uneasiness. So I understood the targets on our back. I understood the uneasiness when 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 Jemis and I sort of you know came in there. Um, but there was also a freedom too. I think everybody, you know, Tom Brewer talks about the, about this better than I do because Tom was, you know, he's been there for you know he's been there longer than Moses, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. He's there forever. Yeah. And and you know, Tom Tom wanted to hate me. He wanted to hate me in the worst way. Uh, he tells a story about you know, you know, seeing seeing us up there on a, on a weekend and working till like one o'clock at night, and he's like, okay, you know, I I, I get it. We were we were we wanted we wanted to save Marvel as much as they wanted to save Marvel. We wanted to save comics. We wanted to, we wanted to just I mean save comics. I mean it's it's it's, it's a ridiculous goal, right? We we wanted to just continue have a business continue an industry that we felt was wonderful, beautiful, entertaining, educational. Uh, 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 just, just a fun place to be. You know? Yeah, I always tell people the, the the worst thing that we do in comics. I mean, you know, it, 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 people do things for a living, and there's always there's always a byproduct of stuff. It's like, uh, it's kind of kind of crappy. Uh, the worst thing we do is we kill some trees. Really, at the end of the day, we right. kill some trees. Mm-hmm. You know, all we do is just tell stories. You like them, you don't like them. They're for you. They're not for you. We tell a lot of different stories in a lot of different shapes and sizes. We always have. You go back to those early those early days, you know, at Marvel in two thousands. We put out some wacky books, man. Yeah, man. Wacky stuff. Uh, some of it worked. A lot of it did. But so you know, I have a question: When can Ryan get some office space? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want any. Uh, I want no. I would say when can Ryan and I oh, have our office space? Yeah. Because we got some good ideas, boss. How many hours a week is the editor in chief's job? Oh, dude, it's 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 uh. Around the clock, probably. Uh, being it's, it's it's like it's like being a doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's uh, you're, you're on call all the time. Um, it was, you know, I'll tell you, it was the the. the I, I will never complain about my job. I have an incredible, incredible job. What I do miss about being editor in chief is the churn. I love yeah. that hourly churn of like, here's a problem, here's a solution, here's a problem, here's a solution. Um, you know, as chief creative officer, I do a lot of that, but nobody knows it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and there's no, there's less structure, right? As editor in chief, you know, the, the, the books are coming out every week. Here's, here's, here are the books. As chief creative officer, the structure is a lot different. It's, 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 because this stuff is such long lead time, you know? Um, but I do get to do a lot of different things. Uh, um, right. there's more variety to what I do. Uh, like this show for Disney, you know, and, and yeah. you know, before you guys, before we got on the call here, you know, I was actually designing a, a piece of apparel, which is kind of cool. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, yeah so, at the know, summits, you're always 
designing something or working on something or doing some kind of cool shit. Sounds fun. So people notice about my story that I was an intern, right? Mm -hmm. And this was like 2010. Um, And um, when did Axel become editor-in-chief? It was right after that, right? Yeah, right around there. Because I'd done done 10 years uh, and I went to Dan Buckley's office. No, I'd done nine years. And I told Dan Buckley's office, I said, you know what? Time for fresh blood. I'm good. Right. And yeah, they yeah. asked me to stick around for a year, so I did ten. Um, so what was so I remember I talked to you like two times my internship, not because you were a dick or that I was scared or anything. It's just that they worked my ass off. I mean, yeah. I'm I was working like crazy, and you were always in the corner office drawing or doing you know your job, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you were at the time you were writing this like um, cup of Joe article for Newsarama. Was it Newsarama? No, it was CBR. Um, it was it was it was Newsarama, and it was also um, uh, what was the other site? Um, was it CBR? Anyway, you see, yeah, it, it used to, yes, it used to be called Joe Fridays. Uh, oh. Then I think it became Cup of Joe, and you know, and then then we actually started doing it internally, which I hated. When we oh, did really? It internally, yeah, because because um, even though the questions. Were what I loved about about doing it through an outside source was that they you know they fed me the questions and I took on all comers right it just didn't, yeah. didn't matter um, I think when we were doing it internally they might have filtered some of the tougher questions been a little softer yeah and you know I yeah. love getting into the mix of it because I just love telling people straight up what's going on you know Stan used to do that he used to show you how the sausages were made man I right. love that stuff yeah so uh, but yeah so I, I used to well, go you were you were writing that, and I, I popped into your office one day to tell you how much I liked him. Um, we talked for a second. I think that was the only time that we talked, except for, um, well, I guess you don't do it anymore, but at the back, back in the day, the intern's last day was always a pizza party with Joe, mm-hmm. right? Because you just do it yep. all the time. And so I went, we all in this room, and it was a basically, you know, Joe kind of debriefed us was just like i hope you guys learn stuff i hope that like like what do you want to do what do you want to do and we were able to ask joe whatever we wanted and i asked joe a question in that room that i want to ask him again (laughs) um the question i asked you that day was if you were editor-in-chief of dc comics what would you do first thing i do is i change the name to marvel (laughs) no to action comics Oh, the uh, of the right. company? Yeah, I changed the whole publishing division's name. Action Comics. Wow, that's the, that's the first thing I do. Uh, you know, all the longtime fans will hate me. Get in line. Uh, and but at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Imagine you're at a movie theater, or imagine you're watching a animated show, and you know, action, right? Right. It's on the screen. All right, I get it. You know, yeah. DC doesn't. It, it's. I, I always contend this is always an issue for me. Nobody knows what a DC is, right? And it's a Stan Lee thing. I, I I remember hearing Stan say it. I was I was I was a little kid hearing Stan say this. And as a kid, I'm like, well, hell's yeah, right? And Stan's like, would you rather buy a DC comic or a Marvel comic, right? Right. You don't want to buy if you're if you're given a choice blindly. You don't know what the characters are. What are you gonna do from a strict branding standpoint? You know, they tell superhero stories. They don't tell detective stories. Maybe Batman, but really, at the end of the day, it's all superhero stuff. Right. And it's action. That's what, you know, it's, it's, it's such a proactive 
uh, such a proactive name. So that's one of the things I do. And then the other thing is, you know, I I, I get in there with the with the icons and, and, and try to figure out, uh, you know, what really makes them tick, and try not to make DC into Marvel. Do not reverse engineer DC into Marvel. DC has, and this is my perspective today. I don't remember what I told you back in the day, but you know, D- DC has a very long legacy, um, and then at some point, you know, they, it, it, I guess in really more modern times, they they they've tried to Marvelize it, and I think they lose a lot of it. You know, I, I think that's why um, uh, I don't like I don't like you know bad mouthing bad mouthing other people's creators, but I think that's why they're having trouble with the Superman movie. Right, and that's why Donner. You still look at that Superman movie, that Richard Donner Superman movie. It's one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Right, because it's just Superman. It's what it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, so I, I would just, you know, that that would have been, you know, so my plan. You know, and and uh, uh, get the creative collaboratively working on stuff. Look, I don't know what goes on behind those walls. I really don't. Right, it goes behind ours, um, and uh, you know, so. What did I say back then? I don't remember. You know, I don't either. Um, I, I was just, I was just. I bet you I, was, I said the name thing. I promise you, I said the name thing. He probably did. Oh. I, 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 I think I was just so nervous hey, wait, to Donnie, actually get the question Donnie, out. Donnie, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. I'm so <laughs> glad I did those pizza lunches with the interns. Uh, mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Hey, hey, it worked out for all of us, right? Uh, um, I have a well, question about if you were the editor in chief of DC, how fast would you hire me and Donnie, and how much would you pay us? That's you guys really are in the contract. You guys are in contract. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, you know. All right. Well, how uh, fast would pay. you fire Bendis? How what? How how fast would you fire Bendis? I wouldn't fire Brian. No, you <laughs> know what I would do? Here's what I would do. I put Brian Bendis on Batman, and yeah, go to sleep. Yeah. Happy every night. Yeah, yeah that's totally. what I do. That's what I do. Brian yeah. Bendis, Batman universe. I love his Superman. I want to see that Batman. Oh, I'm so anxious yeah. to. I mean, it's gotta happen. It's, it's gotta happen someday, yeah. right? I I can't wait You'd to read think. that. You'd, You'd think, think, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, love to read that. Yeah, just 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 let him just give him the universe, man. Let him handle those villains. Let him handle that world. Yeah. Let him go to town. And For real, Brian Bendis. This is what he does. This, that's, to me, it's his wheelhouse, you know, um, and I understand. I understand the 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 you know that you know Superman sort of the unexpected, but I just, I just you know you know it's it's you hire one of the best writers in the world, put him on the number one character you have, right? And also a guy who is maybe the best street writer, yeah, yeah. on well, the planet, detect- right? Noir writer, yeah. essentially. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, Look, you go back and read Powers. I mean, a great writer can write anything, but really, right. I want to. I want a Brian Bendis monthly Batman. Me too. Book. Me too. Um, well, speaking of people who are who are born to do things and then like um, walk in their wheelhouse, let me ask you something. When are we going to see Joe Casada draw a comic book again? When are we going to see some interiors? Someday. someday I'm working on a little something. something. Yeah. Know, so, yeah, but you know, it's. Um, you know, I'll actually I'll give you a little advice that was given to me during my um, during my rock and roll days, right? When I was a, <laughs> when I was a musician, um, yeah, I, we, we were we were in a pretty decent band, um, and there was a there was a, and we rehearsed in, in in we rehearsed in both Brooklyn and in Long Island because that's where everybody was sort of based. 
I was in Queens, so between the two. And, uh, and in the studio we worked out of in, in, in Long Island, there was an amazing band called Dreamer. And, and the songwriter from Dreamer, you know, he and I became friends. And, and I always looked at these guys, uh, I looked up, looked up to these guys because I thought they, they were definitely going to make it. It didn't work out because the music industry is a music industry. Um, but their manager, Sal, was a, was a young guy, really wonderful guy. And I remember we were, we were um, at a bar, a club, I, I, I can't remember right now, but I remember Sal talked to some guy and he came over and he, and he said to me, Joey, here's a bit of advice to you. Never talk about something until it's absolutely a done deal, right? Now this sounds like yeah. obvious advice, but you'd be surprised, right? I'm like, what do you mean, Sal? He's like, look, that guy over there I was just talking to, right? Saw him not too long ago. He's a great musician and a great band. Told me not too long ago that, you know, he was about to be signed by Arister Capital. I forget what the record company is, right? Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're working on the deal. Da, 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 da. And I think to myself, don't talk about it until it's a done deal. Because I run into him now, and guess what? The deal didn't work out. Because you know what? Most of the time, the deal doesn't, doesn't work out, especially if it's a big deal. So, you know, not to me because I'm a working manager, da, 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 but to the, to, to the lay person, right? They hear you say a month ago, I'm about to be signed by a big company. They see you a month later, and you're like, nah, it didn't work out. Right. And in their thoughts, thought process, or even subconsciously, they're thinking, eh, it's not that good. You know, well, he's not going to make it. And, it. and if you're, you know, and now he's like, I'm a manager, and I may be thinking this about this guy. Maybe someday I want to rep him, but I'm thinking, nah, maybe if, if the companies are turning him down, uh, maybe I don't, right? And, and that stuck with me because so often, so, and, and it happens in the comic industry, I hear people say, yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to do this, about to do that, and then it falls through, and you know, you just kind of end up, you know, looking foolish and, and don't even really know it because you talk about stuff long before it happens. Wait until the deal's done. Wait until it's signed because now when you talk to somebody, the only thing you say to them is, "I got a deal with Marvel. I got a big deal right. with DC. I'm working on this character. I'm working on that character." Uh, and now I forgot how I got tangentially onto this story. <laughs> well, because I because I asked you if you're gonna ever gonna draw some interiors on the book again, right. and you're so saying you're not gonna say it. until a, the, until there's a thing to to until say until there's, there's a thing to say, right? Right. Because okay. so much so much could happen between now and the time that there is a thing to say. That if I right. say it now and then that those things happen, then you know. It's yeah. uh, what could have been. I, I don't want to talk about what could have been. I'd rather talk, right. talk to you about what's happening and what is, right? So I could have talked to you about the Disney you know, show that I'm doing, the Disney Plus show I'm doing months ago, but it wasn't a thing yet. Now it's a thing. So, you know, we'll talk I about it. I mean, I'm a little uh, offended that you didn't have me on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I guess it's okay. I'm available. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're, you know, we're like a pretty big deal or whatever, Joe. <laughs> Well, I have a I'll question. Let's oh, talk ahead. about you guys. Let, let, let's talk about okay. Absolute Carnage. I want to talk uh-huh. about Absolute Carnage. Well, what do you think? I mean, it's out and people seem to like it. Are you are yeah. you are you happy with it? What do you think? Yeah, it's okay. It's awesome, guys. I mean, look, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a fun high octane rock. You know, I you know the way Steg draws stuff, man. What I love about Ryan's stuff is shit is always in motion. Right. People, mm-hmm. people are standing still. They're in freaking motion. That's yeah. that's Marvel. That's yeah. you know, 
we have artists. Not every one of our artists can do that. Not every artist can do that, right? That is that is the 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 the, the black magic, the alchemy that you just cannot figure out. You cannot teach it. You either know it, you have it, or you don't. Uh, and, and Steg's got that, man. You know, so so Thank the you. combination of, of you two jerks uh, on this thing is uh, is pretty awesome. That uh, by the way, I, I mean when. I'm going to spoil a page for people, but you know I don't know when this came out. So that double page spread where where uh, where you know Venom sort of stops the train, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, crazy. But all I can think about is how many dead people are on that train? You know? Oh, a lot. <laughs> so many, Joe. Seriously, I mean, it's just like we actually talked like a, about that in our summit. Um, yeah. They were like, I think like was it CB or someone was just like, well, how many people are going to die on that train? And I was like. Well, listen, if it's Spider-Man, he would find a way to stop the train and save everybody. But it's Venom. He's a fuck-up. Right. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. he makes mistakes. And by the way, you know what, Donnie? That's a story to tell somewhere down the road when somebody comes yeah, up sure. to him and goes, my dad was on that train. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's the making See, of it's all intentional, Joe. What was that? It's all intentional. I, I, I planned it just like that. Yeah. But no, um, it's such, such a fun issue. Uh, you know, it's uh, you got a lot, a lot uh, to follow up in that second issue, so it better be good. Oh man, the second issue is brutal. Yeah, the it's maybe the meanest thing that we do in the entire series is is an issue too. Right. Um, we are very proud papas. Uh, we are recording this in Connecticut at Terrificon, and this is our first appearance since the book has come out, yep. and it's just been insane. Mm-hmm. Um, people are being very well, you- uh, kind. What you guys, what you guys are doing, is something that you know. Bill Jemis said this once to me, and, and I agreed with him a, a thousand and one percent uh, when we when we sort of started rolling what we did in two thousand, which was we will never publish in fear, never publish. Yeah, in fear, exactly. Right? Fear is a terrible, terrible, terrible place to be coming from when you're f- publishing because you're always second guessing yourself. And and Donnie, you know, you know, I sit there and I listen to your crazy out of these world. Pitches and, and I'm always sitting there going, this dude's fearless. This dude is fearless. You know, he 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 reaches as far as he can. Every once in a while, we slap you on the hand and say, Donnie, can't do that. You know, <laughs> you go back, but but you've already you've already advanced ten paces. You know, and so which is further than a lot of people will, would dare to go. Uh, I love that. I love that about well, you. thank I love you. That about uh, about the Stegs art, man. Uh, you guys are are, are, are fearless. Absolutely. Fearless. Thank you. Well, I've uh, always said you. that uh, you know people always uh, say that. Um, there's this phrase that gets thrown around. I'm sure you've heard it a million times, which is you can't, um, people like to break characters. This, this idea of um, breaking a character. Well, it's my contention, like the Marvel brand and the Marvel characters are so strong. These characters are unbreakable. So let's try and bend it as much as we, as we can. Let's blow it up. Let's change everything because these characters are immortal. They outlive all of us. You know, and yeah, I don't I mean, think that I, there's I a. I don't know if I agree a hundred percent that they're unbreakable. I think I think you can do damage to a character. You really can, but it, you would have to do something so stupid. Uh, well, you have to do it. To so... What you're talking about is disrespecting a character. Yeah, but I, I think you can break a character they're... by disrespecting yeah. them. But I think if you can, you I think I... you can do anything ethically to these characters that still is serves them as a character. Mm-hmm. I think and, you're talking about adding to you're, you're talking about adding rather than. Yeah. That additive that. nature of comics is how I've always gone into yeah. books. I don't like telling stories about stories. You know, I like to add no, pieces I, I, listen, to it. 
that was that was that was a big issue we had, you know, in two thousand was that there were Marvel was, was being sustained on on love letters to Stan Lee. There were there were stories mm-hmm. about right. comic book stories, um, and you know it, it's I I get it right. People people want Spider Man to grow old with them. I get it. I get the impulse, but the responsibility that I had as editor in chief, the responsibility that you have as a writer and you as an artist is there is another generation that will come up that wants Spider-Man their age. And right. they want Spider-Man to grow old with them. So you have to make that compromise. And even Stanley said it himself. He's like, if he knew that Spider-Man was going to last as long as, it, as he did, as he has, he would have kept him in high school. He wouldn't have right. the way he did. Um, and, you know, so 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 there. You know, we're, we're also like I said. I, I don't know. I I do think there's 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 ways that characters can be broken if you're not careful. If you really are, right? And then it's so much harder to bring them back and re- redeem that character and that brand. Um, but we're also you know we're also custodians. We're we're, we're guardians, right? Yeah. You're, you're writing you're writing uh, Venom for the next Donny Cates, the next kid that comes yeah. up. I I, I remember. I forget what convention it was. I, I think it was a convention in Toronto. Early on in my in my tenure, maybe I was and I was about five years into my tenure uh, as editor in chief, and, and there were all these young kids, guys and gals, like you know, sitting on the floor sketching, right? And 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 whether it was whether it was manga stuff, whether it was superhero stuff. And I remember coming back and 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 telling. Um, I think, it was, I think Dan was our, our publisher at that point. I was saying, you know, I, it was it was such an amazing vibe, and and I, and I walked around there thinking, you know what, somewhere around here might be the next Jack Kirby, might be right. the next Stanley, might be the next Steve Ditko, just don't know, right? And you know, at the height of my publishing tenure, you know, I I, I was blessed with incredible talents, you know, guys like Bendis, Mark Miller. I mean, it's just just people who became my dearest friends who who really made me look good. Right, and then everybody sort of grows up and moves on to different things, and you sit around going, "Oh man, when's the next wave coming?" And here we are, right? Here right. we are, right? We got guys like yourself. We got Hickman operating on all cylinders. We got mm-hmm. we got Jason Aaron, who's probably arguably better than all you guys combined. Oh, right? no, no, yeah. <laughs> completely. It's crazy the the, the just, just how genera- generationally everything starts to you know the, the new groups come up, but the stuff that you guys are you guys are playing with right now. Is also stuff that you know, thanks to guys like like Bendis and, and, and Mark and and all those other people that came through. You know, they sort of left them in a place where you could like now go and you know take it further. And before before those guys, there were there were people before them. You know, so so we're also custodians, and and, and we also have to, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a respect to the characters. That yeah, I think is 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 really really important. And, and I, I don't see this because you know they were created by Stan. Yeah, you know that's pretty intimidating. Or created by Jack or Steve or any of these guys. It's for the love of comics, the love of making sure that someday when, you know, some little girl, some little boy or teenage girl, teenage whatever, picks up a book, there is something there that they go, damn it, I want to read some more of this stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's not for everybody. You know, we are a niche industry. And I don't think, Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, to, to think that we're going to be as popular as movies is insane. Right. We are a niche industry, but we we you know we serve that niche, and that niche changes, uh, changes with generations, changes with the decades, changes with society, all that sort of stuff. So you know, 
you guys tell your stories. You, you, you go to, you're, you're taking Venom to places that no one ever imagined. Uh, and you'll continue doing that stuff at Marvel and uh, hopefully only at Marvel. Uh, yes, sir. If you ever get, get tired by DC, then I'll steal you, you know? Uh, <laughs> hey, I'll see you there. Or you can have my job, Donnie. You want my job? You can have my job. In a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a quick question. Um, could you please say something negative about Chip Zdarsky? Oh, dude. 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 <laughs> Um, well, you know, I, I, Chip, Chip is the only writer that's not allowed to look me in the eyes when he speaks to me. Right. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, he is, um, he's got halitosis. Okay? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, so. like from his but, soul, like, like his soul is bad. Yeah. <laughs> but and you can but, smell but the it. The worst thing, worst thing mm-hmm. is he's Canadian. He's yeah. Canadian. Oh. Yeah. He's like barely a person, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like the Pepsi of people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh man, that's probably the lowest thing anyone has said about him. That's terrible. The Pepsi of people, you know. Well, I said about wraps it up. I know. Huh? I was say, it's better than me, the RC Cola of people. Yeah, yeah there you go, um, Griffin. I want to give you a chance to ask a question. I know that. Uh, yeah, that this is this crazy. Well, and- I know that uh, that Joe's Joe's got uh, some limited time now, and I want to make sure that we that we can wrap up and I can get his file and everything. So I'll just say this, right? Uh, Joe, you've laid down some just straight comic book industry wisdom right here. Like, you are an absolute legend, dude. And it, we just sort of ended this conversation on this idea of generations, right? And it's kind of funny that we're sitting here in this Skype call with pretty much three generations of Marvelites right here right right you got joe you got ryan and donnie and you got ethan and i um and and it's all just sort of resonating with me right like me and ethan are the kids that are picking it up after ryan and donnie and then somebody's gonna pick it up after us yeah and and like and and as a testament to you and what you've done for the company uh and and the the whole idea of marvel like me and ethan grew up uh like our childhood and some very very crucial moments of our life, in uh, it, when you were editor in chief, that's when we were growing up with Marvel, okay. right? And I just remember Marvel as 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 the house of ideas, right? And as the home of some of these characters that I just loved endlessly. And those things got me through any sort of tough times, and oh, awesome. and really elevated yeah. my life to something. Uh, something super special, I think, and so I thank you, and I thank everybody thank at Marvel. Hey, um, when, be, when you release this, go ahead and clip all that shit you said out of here. <laughs> Got it, Donnie. Take yourself out of this show. But you know, but, but this is this is. I think this is. It's a crucial point, right? It's a crucial point because, you know, I know people that are they're that are older than me. They write comics long before I did, and and they'll look mm-hmm. at today's books and they'll be like, you know, well, they're not the same thing. I I don't enjoy them. Uh, I wish they could go back to to what they were. Sure. And you know, I, I can't think of a bi- bigger mistake than than that could be made than to go back to the way they were because yeah, you know, you, you, first of all, the, the 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 nostalgia of it is 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 probably greater than the actual quality of the product, right? And it'll right. be the same thing with us, right? Somebody will be nostalgic years from now for that, you know, man, why can't they do comics like that? Or, you know, absolute carnage by Stegman and Cates and they don't do comics yeah. like that anymore. And again, it's nostalgia. And mm-hmm. and there's always new readers coming in and they want their own thing. They, they and, and uh, I remember Jimmy and I talking back in the day and, 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 and saying, you know, if we would run into, you know, 
uh, an older creator and they'd be sort of grousing about, you know, uh, I don't like the way these things are done. I don't like the way these guys are drawing. I don't like the way these guys are writing. And and, and I, I said to Jimmy, I'm like, if, if you ever hear me say that, you've got to punch me in the face because that's death. That's creative yeah. death. If you cannot be open, right? I, I'll watch, you know, my, my daughter will watch a comedy special and be laughing her tail off, right? And I'll sit there and I'm like, I don't get it. But you know what? I'm going to have to get it. I'm going to have to understand it because, you know, I got to write and draw to that audience. So I right. ask her to, you know, let me in on the, whatever the secret is. Because I remember when I was watching comedy specials, my dad was like, that guy isn't funny. Like, what do you mean Richard Pryor isn't funny? <laughs> what, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> and and uh, it was just different, you know? So things change. And, and uh, uh, you know, no matter, you know, how much, you know, because I hear it quite often, you know, these comics aren't like as no, you know what? They're great. They're just as good as they were then. Just they speak to a different generation. They speak right. to a different group of, of kids out there. Uh, and uh, you know, it's 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 the way of life. It's like that with anything in entertainment. Anything in entertainment, you never go backwards. You mm-hmm. may do something exactly. that's slightly retro, but you don't. You can't go back. You know, right. it's not gonna happen. Yeah. So. Well, wise wise words as always, boss. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. This really means a lot to us. Really appreciate oh, it. Well, well, listen, I'm going to give you one more word of wisdom. Donnie, do not do the mullet. Don't do the mullet. Man. I, can't, I can't honor that one, it's Joe. A mis- it's a mistake. Any other note? Any other note? I'll take that. Steg, what do you think? Joe, if I have a mullet, it allows you to clown on me more, which is your favorite thing to do I, in I the world. I don't need a mullet to do that, dude. <laughs> I, Fair enough. I don't like the mullet, but I'm... I also am losing my hair on top of my head, so I'm jealous of all hair that anybody else can uh, grow. Yeah. Uh, so I say go for it while you can. Beautiful man. He's got about two years, I think, before all his falls out. So no, 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 no. I'm gonna stay young and pretty forever. Um, well, Joe, I know you gotta go. Thank yeah, you dude, so much. Thanks, I will fun. see you in like uh, three weeks at the summit or so. So. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Just see you then. Then I'm just going to crash the summit, so. Yeah, yeah I'm going to pack Ryan there, in my right? suitcase. Huh? You going to be there? No. Ryan? No, he's an artist. They don't, what <laughs> yeah, they don't let do? me there. I'm yeah. not allowed in the city of New York. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, a, a, it's a whole thing we don't really want to get into. There's something, uh, something, something happened. Yeah. Something yeah, we don't like to talk about it. A lot it. happened. Uh, All right, boys. Thank you guys so much. Right, guys. This was awesome. Yeah. Um, guys, for fans of the podcast... Stay tuned. This is the first of uh, 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 some really cool guests coming on. Yeah. Um, we can't say who yet. We but. can't say yet who, but uh, stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter. Follow Joe on Twitter. 